Welcome to Ministry in Motion, a program where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris, and our topic today, life-changing biblical preaching. Our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, great to have you with us I'm again. I'm delighted to be here. I'm excited about our topic, Derek. Well, you are known around the world as a powerful evangelistic preacher, but we're going to talk about preaching every week, life-changing biblical preaching, and I know it will be a great blessing. So uh, maybe we should start by asking, what's the difference between uh, uh, a textual sermon and a thematic sermon that's often used in evangelistic preaching. Well, in a thematic sermon, you look at a large theme in the Bible. That theme might be the second coming of Christ. It might be heaven. It might be a theme like prayer. You look at that theme and you say, what does Genesis say about this? What, is this? what does David the Psalmist say about it? What does Matthew say about it? And so in thematic preaching, you're not so concerned about a particular text, but you're looking at the larger picture in Scripture. You're taking the pieces of Scripture and putting them together to try to say, what does the Bible say about that theme? In textual preaching, you take a text, you unfold that, you say, what does the text say first? What does this text say? Then what does this text mean? What did it mean to the people that it was written to in the first century, say for the Gospels? Or what did this psalm mean when David read it? Why did he write it? And uh, what's the background of it? And then you ask, how do I apply that today? So you have a little more time if you're just taking one passage. Sure. Maybe to go a little deeper into the text. But you know, I, one of the things I appreciate about your evangelistic preaching, because sometimes there's a danger with what we call topical preaching, that people just choose a topic and bounce off a text and just share a lot of opinions, that actually you're still doing exposition of the text. Exactly. You're just choosing a whole selection of texts rather than just one. Exactly. You're looking at the total tenor of Scripture and you're saying to yourself, how does this text fit into the larger context of Scripture in unfolding this topic? One of the things that I find about evangelistic preaching particularly is that not only are we attempting to unfold what Scripture says about that topic, but we are asking the question, how does this apply to life? Mm -hmm. I think my evangelistic preaching particularly has changed in the last number of years Early on in my evangelism, I thought, if I can just prove a particular topic, if I can read enough texts, 15 texts, 20 texts on that topic, I can prove, you know, the veracity of this topic. Now I ask the question, what difference does this topic mean to a teenager who's struggling with identity? What does it mean to a retiree, a woman who's just lost her husband from a heart attack? What does it mean to a woman who's just gone through divorce? How does this topic, whatever that topic is, apply to people sitting in the pew so that it does, is life transformational. Not only is it cognitive, not only do they understand the topic, mm. but what practical relevance does this topic have to their lives? And I think every evangelistic preacher ought to be thinking, and every Sabbath, Sabbath or Sunday morning preacher, however you look at it, because every preacher who stands behind the pulpit has to be asking themselves the question, what does this passage, why does this passage make a difference? Why should people come to hear me preach? Right. 
Why right. should they spend that hour right. or whatever time it is? So, so let's look here. The, the basic, uh, I guess, emphasis of this program would be that life-changing biblical preaching can happen every week, mm -hmm. every week, not just in a series when you go to a town and speak in a hall somewhere, but every week it can happen. Let, let's, let's ask this question as we look at uh, expository preaching that's both thematic and just textual looking at a, a single passage. Is there a place for for what we would call evangelistic preaching on a weekly basis in a weekly church service? I think my response would be every sermon should be evangelistic. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, what is evangelistic preaching? What is evangelism? It's the unfolding of the gospel in clear, lucid tones so people respond. And my response would be any preacher that does not do evangelistic preaching on a weekly basis what kind of preaching is it? What other kind of preaching is there? So you're always looking to persuade people. Sure, sure. Um, uh, every time I walk into the pulpit, I'm thinking about it from this perspective. I'm preaching with anticipation. When I walk into the pulpit, if my soul is not on fire, if God has not done something for me, if, I, if the message that I've studied for those 10 or 15 hours has not transformed my life, if it has not made me a different man, when I walk into the pulpit, Derek, every time I walk in, I don't care if I'm speaking to 18 people or 80 people or 800 or 8,000. When I walk into the pulpit, I'm thinking, Lord, today you're going to move somebody. Today you're going to change somebody's life. Today some boy, some girl, some man, some woman is going to be transformed by this message. And I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in Acts, the 20th chapter, and I, I, 28th chapter, rather. And I think of this often. Paul, in Acts 28 and verse 28, and then on to verse 31, Paul says, Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. That's mm. what I call preaching with expectation. Mm. Paul says, God has sent the salvation to Gentiles and there's no question about it. They are going to hear it. So it's this preaching with expectation, believing God is going to do something, believing the Spirit is going to move. Often I will get up into the pulpit and I will say something like this before I preach. God is here today. And God is going to touch somebody today. There's some man, some woman, some boy, some girl that's going to walk out of this building changed today. And that could be you. You see, that could be you preaching with expectation, believing with all your heart that God hasn't sent you there for religious entertainment, that God hasn't sent you there to tell some nice stories and mm. let people come out the door, shake your hand and say, oh, pastor, wasn't that a wonderful sermon? Mm. What did this sermon do for your life? How did it change you? And I like verse 31. It says, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. <laughs> no one forbidding him, with all yeah, confidence. Yeah. You know, pre Paul preached with confidence. Yeah. He believed the Spirit was going to animate the words of Scripture and lives are going to be changed. That's life-changing biblical preaching. It is. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some important themes that should be presented in your weekly preaching and also some passages of Scripture. How do we unfold that passage in, in a way that truly makes it a life-changing experience for our hearers? Uh, what, a, what a challenge from the text that we just read to know that people will hear and that we can proclaim the Word of God with confidence. We'll explore more about life-changing biblical preaching right after the break with more Ministry in Motion.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, life-changing biblical preaching. Our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, great to have you with us. It's, I'm already excited because you, you've, you've read from Acts 28 where, where we're going to proclaim the good news and people will hear. And you've also talked about proclaiming it with confidence. So let's look at these two aspects of life-changing biblical preaching, the, the broad themes of Scripture, what we might call thematic preaching, and, and also the textual exposition. What are some broad themes that you'd say to pastors and lay preachers? You ought to include these broad themes in your annual preaching calendar. Sure. Well, first, I think you've inferred that there's an annual preaching calendar. Well, that's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there may be people that are trying to preach week by week. You know, they come to Wednesday and the weekend is coming and they're saying, what am I going to preach? It seems to me, Derek, if, we, if a preacher sits down and says, here is the calendar year, here, the calendar year is coming up, and uh, I want to take a look at some anchor topics during this year. Certainly, I can be sensitive to events that are occurring both in my congregation and in the world that I may want to preach on, but if, I, if you have at least what I would call anchor events, looking at the first quarter and saying, what topics do I want to cover the first quarter? What topics do I want to cover the second quarter? What topics do I want to cover the third quarter? I find that when I plan my preaching far enough ahead, as I'm reading, God will bring to my mind an illustration that fits with this sermon here, or I will be reading a particular passage, maybe in my devotions, and that fits with what I've already planned and, and, and mapped out. You've asked the general question about thematic preaching, what kind of themes through the year. I think certainly throughout the year, we need to take a very careful look at themes like the birth of Christ, the incarnation. What does that mean to me? The life of Christ, how does that relate to me? The uh, ministry of Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ, the second coming of Christ. So one quarter I can focus around the life of Jesus. Another quarter I might look at great doctrinal themes from Scripture, the great doctrines of the Bible, the Bible itself. You know, the Bible is God's Word, the Bible as a life-changing book. I may take a look at another theme of Scripture where we took a look at um, prayer, maybe look at salvation in Scripture, maybe a, an entire month around the topic of the second coming of Christ. Yeah. I know many people as I travel the world, they say to me, Pastor Mark, I haven't heard a sermon on the second coming of Jesus in X number of years. So the second coming of Christ, I think is a very powerful theme. Four messages on heaven, taking a look at heaven. Looking at the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, they could be summarized. I did a series recently for the Hope Channel, in fact, of the great themes of Revelation. We did it in five messages, hope from the book of Revelation. Mm. So I think a balance between practical Christ-centered sermons and biblical doctrinal sermons. One of the things that is quite amazing that one could look at is the whole topic of spiritualism and death. You know, mm. take a look at that. Uh, we're living in a time where you look at the media today and they're focusing on the esoteric, focusing on the occult world. It's difficult not to uh, see that if you're looking at media. And so to take a look at those themes, uh, the great themes of the Bible as it, relating to our society. It sounds like if you're really being intentional about your planning, that uh, you're not going to have a problem with what to preach about, but you're also wanting to allow some time to take 
specific passages, maybe even to preach through a book of the Bible like mm -hmm. Philippians or Ephesians. Um, talk to us about that. Take, take us to a passage and sure. say, you know, here's, a, here's another way of, of having a life-changing biblical message, just taking one passage and work through it. Yeah, let me share with you something that has happened to me most recently. And it's, it's kind of an amazing revelation, and it may seem very naive. I was looking at passages um, individually. So, for example, if I were preaching on the parable of the ten virgins and exegeting that, I, I would take that. Mm -hmm. But I began to look at it at the larger picture. For example, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about the signs of the times, the signs just before his coming. But when you come to Matthew 25, you have the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the ten talents, and the parable of the sheep and goats. Those three parables tell us how to be ready for the coming of Jesus. The parable of the ten virgins looks at spiritual preparation. The parable of the ten talents looks at what I've done with the gifts God has given me. And the parable of the sheep and the goats deals with how I treat the poor. So what I have begun to do is if Jesus gives three parables in a particular chapter, look at all three of them and say, what is the sign of this message? Now, you can do the same thing with the miracles. And I want to show you something really amazing to me that I, I discovered the other day when I was working through a sermon on Matthew, rather Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 5 and 6. Mark chapter 4 and 5 present the four worst case scenarios that any human being could ever go through. The worst disaster, the worst demonic possession, the worst disease and death itself. And Jesus has four miracles in Mark 4, four, one in Mark 4 and three in Mark 5. And he reveals that he is the Lord over disaster. He is the Lord over demons. He is the Lord over disease and he's the Lord over death. Now, would that be a four-part sermon or could it be a four-part series? Four-part series. Okay, so you're not going to try to do yeah. them all in one yeah, sermon. No, and so first sermon, Jesus is Lord over all. Yes. That the theme of is Jesus is Lord over all. The first sermon is Jesus is Lord over your worst disaster. Okay. Second, Jesus is Lord over demons. Jesus is Lord over disease and Jesus is Lord over death. Mm. These are worst case scenarios. Mm -hmm. And if Christ can, is Lord over the worst case scenarios, no matter whatever happened in your life, he can be Lord over. Now, let's go to the passage itself. You're getting excited. Oh, I am. I can't. Ready, <laughs> ready to preach, Derek. Uh, Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 35. On the same day... When evening had come, so it's evening, the night has come. Has night come for you? Your wife has died, night has come. You've been through a heart attack, night has come. Um, you've lost your business, night has come. Your bills are too high, night has come. When evening, in the same day when evening has come. In every one of our lives, the evening's going to come. There are going to be dark experiences. It says, let us cross over to the other side. Now here is something amazing. I always looked at this, let us cross over to the other side, as an isolated passage. But look at Mark 5, verse 1. Jesus begins the story of the demoniacs. Then they came to the other side. So you're looking at the big picture here. And after the break, I want you to continue oh. to unfold this because what you're doing is you're not reading the text in isolation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did the Holy Spirit or why did the Holy Spirit guide this yeah. construction? And after the break, we're going to talk about that. We need more time. But you know, God wants you to be a life-changing biblical preacher. The principles 
we're discovering could bless the lives of those around you. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, life-changing biblical preaching. Our guest, Mark Finley. Mark, you're just opening up to us, Mark, four and five, the gospel of Mark, that is. And you're talking about taking a text and, and, and not viewing it in isolation. Talk to us about yeah. what you discovered in Mark 4 and 5. Well, when I was studying for this series in Mark chapter 4 and 5 about uh, the four worst case scenarios, in, in chapter 4, Jesus calms the storm. It's the worst disaster that the disciples have ever been in. I mean, these were men of the sea, Derek. And, right, and uh, they feared for their lives. They feared for their lives. Right. Yeah, the wind was blowing and it, it, the, the sail was possibly ripped or whatever and the the, the waves are high, the thunder crashes, the lightning flashes, the water is coming in the boat, and they look and say, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to perish. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder, are there times that in the boat that we are sailing in through this life that the waves are high and the wind is fierce and the night is dark and uh, in our own hearts we say, Jesus, where are you? Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, I'm going to drown here. Jesus, where are you? In my marriage, I'm going to drown. There's no solution here. In my health, I'm going to drown. There is no solution here. Um, and Jesus, are you asleep? You know, don't you care that we're going to perish? And you look at Mark chapter 4, and the Bible says, when they introduced this passage in Mark 4, and it was something we're getting into in our last segment that really excited me. Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. When you look at the deliverance of the demoniacs in chapter 5, he says, they came to the other side. When you look at the little girl who's restored to life and the woman that's healed in verse 21, now when Jesus had crossed over by the boat again to the other side, and all of a sudden it hit me. What this is really talking about is not simply a geographical crossing over to the other side. In every story, we cross over to the other side. We cross over from doubt to faith. We cross over from despair to hope. We cross over from um, bondage to freedom. We cross over from fear to confidence. And what Jesus is really saying in each of these four stories is you can cross over to the other side. You may be struggling with a, with a malignancy that is just destroying your body, and you may be have told that you have four to five months to live, but you can cross over to the other side. You need not live in fear fear, you can live in hope. Your finances may be on the rocks and your bills may be mounting high, but you can cross over to the other side. You may be struggling with some demonic harassment. You may be struggling with temptations. Your life may seem very dark and despair, but you can cross over to the other side. So when we look at the passage, and let's just take the first story, we look at the passage and I have a little three-letter word that I use called vim, vim. And vim is another word for vitality. It's vigor. How do you put vitality into your sermon? You know, how do you put vim there? So the first V is visualization. So I read the passage. And as I read this passage, it says in verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat that it was already filling. So I sit back and I say, I want to picture that. 
And many times, you know, I was brought up on the Atlantic Ocean in Long Island Sound. My dad and I would go out into our boat. And I have been out in many a storm, Derek. And so I begin to visualize that. I go back to my childhood, and I'm out in this little 16-foot boat with a 25-horse Evan Rude motor on the back, and, and the sky gets dark, and the rain begins to pelt down. And I remember my, my stomach is churning. You know, the waves are high, and the boat's going up and down. So, and I say, what must have been like to be on the Sea of Galilee? A great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat. The disciples were filled with fear. They felt they were going to die. And then the Bible says, as he, Jesus, was, a, uh, was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they woke and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? We're perishing. How many times in my life have I said, Lord, where in the world are you in the storm? Mm. You know, I can't handle this alone. This is too big for me. Where are you? Why are you asleep? Why don't you do something? If you love me, why don't you stop this storm? Why don't you tell the waves to, 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 to see to become? Where, where are you, God? And the Bible says he arose and rebuked the wind and said, Peace be still. And he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have little faith? The first thing I do is I visualize the story. What is happening? I try to see it in my mind. Mm. Secondly, I identify. What if I were one of those disciples? What feelings would run through me? Mm. Then I meditate on it. What does this say to me? Mm. What does it say to me? Can I stop you right there yes. just a moment? Because I think you've, you've emphasized something really important. And, and that is, you know, there are people that just use their imagination and spirit guides tell them things. You're, you're very much focusing on the text. Exactly. The, the text is guiding your, can I use the word, a sanctified imagination mm -hmm. because you're praying. So this, this visualizing is based on the text, which is what will help it to become a life-changing biblical sermon. Exactly. It is not uh, trying to tap into some unknown spirit guide within that gives me wisdom about the text, but it is looking at what is the linguistic background of the text. So I will look at the original meaning of the text. If you have resources, not every pastor does, but I'll go to uh, something called Frederick Reinecker's Linguistic Key of the New Testament, and I will look at what is the meaning of each Greek word in that text. I will then say, what are the commentaries saying about the text? I might look at, I certainly look at the Adventist commentary. I will look at a book like Desire of Ages, which W.E. Beaumont uh, said was the most outstanding book in the Library of Congress on the life of Christ a number of years ago. So I'll look at, I always will consider if I'm preaching on the Gospel of Desire of Ages, I'll take a look at maybe like the pulpit commentary. I like Barclay's commentary of the New Testament. So I'm going to preach a sermon on Matthew 9, and I read the chapter every day this week. So I read Matthew 9 every single day this mm. week and just, mm. I haven't even gone to the commentaries yet. I just read the chapter and read the chapter and read the chapter. And I find maybe the seventh time I've read the passage, I will see something that I never saw the first time that I read the passage through. So give us the vim again. You've, you want to visualize? Visualize it. What do identify. I see? I identify with each character. So visualize the woman with the issue of blood. Okay. What would it be if I were that woman? And then I meditate on the lessons in the story. The leper, visualize the leper. Identify with the leper. Meditate on the lessons of the leper. In another program, we're going to have to talk about how do you call people to then respond to, you've given a life-changing biblical message. How do you call them to respond? We hope you'll join us regularly here on Ministry of Motion. This program is designed to help you be the great Christian leader that God is calling you to be. We also want to tell you about some resources on our website at ministryinmotion.tv. We actually have a preaching website there, a free download for you if you go to the website. Also, you may be eligible for a complimentary subscription 
to ministry and international journal for pastors. Send us a note. Tell us about your ministry and how God is blessing you, how this program is helping you to be a great Christian leader. We want to thank you again for joining us for Ministry in Motion, whether you're a full-time pastor or a lay leader in your local church. God wants to equip you not only to bless your life, but to bless the lives of those around you. So go to our website, ministryinmotion.tv, get some more resources, join us again next time. And until then, we're praying that God will bless you in your ministry.